I promise when you put it up and you see that yoke, you can't do nothing but get your roll on. You can't do nothing but get your roll on. I got three words for you. You like that? Yeah. Easy. He jumped that side of me. How about a ooh ooh? He gets away from the pressure. Fires to the end zone. It's hot. It's Greg Lewis. Touchdown. Sunday, November 12th. The Minnesota Vikings have won five games in a row. They are six and four. Joining me tonight, Ryan Lundin. I want to start off with, I want to hit you with this. Four words. I want to get your reaction. Four words are Josh Dobbs, Case Keenum. Oof. Complimentary. Complimentary, yeah. That's great. You know where I stand on the whole Case thing. So, it's, but the, it... But the feeling of it, of the ride. Are we I feel something? better. I feel better about Josh Dobbs than I did Case Keenum that entire ride. But it's something uh, happening similarly. Hey, it might be five in a row, two with the Dob Mob running the show. Um, he just pr- brings a completely different style of play than what we've been used to for the last X number of years, including Case Keenum. So, yeah, I, I think I'm still working on wrapping my head around that. Well, there's, I mean, there's a lot of different, I just feel like the feeling of the the coming in. I mean, I said it after Kirk went down and I didn't believe anything would actually happen, but I was like, you know, some of the craziest seasons in Vikings history have been a backup quarterback coming in, you know, case, obviously the most recent example, if you want to go back to Randall Cunningham in 98 or anybody else, um, it's happened before and it seems to be happening again. And I never expected this, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of differences in their their style of play and the construction of those teams and what's more sustainable, what's not. I'm certainly higher on Dobbs overall, but um, it does feel like kind of that magic of like a season that looked lost because you lost your number one quarterback and suddenly you don't miss a beat and you're finding new things. You're falling in love all over again. And here we go. So, I mean, we're along for the ride. So what do you, I mean, I want to get into the game itself. This feels like, and a lot of the conversation this week was like, you know, Dobbs, or do you like Hall? Is he a little bit, you know, what we saw out of Hall? Is he a little bit more um, running the offense, you know, correctly or making the right reads or whatever? I feel like we're getting a real-time experiment of, I don't want to turn this into a Kirk versus Dobbs thing, but what's the line between like the best a pocket passing quarterback make the reads, make the correct play can be versus someone that can extend the play, make stuff happen athletically, you know, where's the line there where it tips into, you know, one being better than the other, even though if you say what's a better quarterback, you know, we would say the sample size of Kirk certainly, but it's, it's really interesting just to see this whole new element here that Dobbs brings. Yeah. And what I would say is this is the more, um, this is, I guess, this is, I guess, how I feel like the Vikings have been beat in the past. Like Josh Dobbs made some back-breaking plays um, where we scrambled out. The one that I'm thinking of is, I can't remember what drive it was. He scrambles out. It's third down. He throws just a little floater to Hawkinson, Hawkinson wide open. And then he kind of rumbles. I think that was the Dalton Reisner play. He just comes in <laughs> yeah. like a bowling ball and then... Uh, does the Daniil Hunter sack celebration after that. But um, he just, and this is the same thing I got from the previous week is like, there are multiple times in the pocket. You have no idea how he gets out of there. And then he turns it into a positive play or even just, you know, getting back to the line of scrimmage, something we're not used to. Josh Dobbs finds a way to extend that play, whatever. I've seen multiple people talk on the internet that, Josh Dobbs coming in and having this type of success so quickly um, is kind of just a more of an indictment on Kirk and um, showing how Kevin O'Connell's system is very quarterback friendly in that regard. Um, And, and don't get me wrong, like 
Kirk can make a lot of throws that I haven't quite seen Josh Dobbs make. But the part that stuck out for me from this game is it didn't seem like we were limiting him to, you know, dump offs, quick screens, little hitches. Like they let him throw the ball down the field to an extent today, um, similar to how they were letting Kirk run the offense. Yeah. Yeah, there's it certainly felt like all of the all the breaks were off in the first half with how this offense was working. That three touchdowns in the first half. He was he was doing everything. It wasn't just running. It wasn't I mean any any limits people put on him from last week were kind of out the door with the way that he was playing. He was yeah, hitting Hawkinson, hitting Addison, extending plays, and I'm gonna say Randall Cunningham's name again, because that's what I was thinking, like watching him and imagining when you get Justin Jefferson back in this offense and what could happen. And yeah, I mean, you know, I think you were a little bit like, I want to see it more um, with Dobbs. What did you, do you think it's more sustainable after what you saw today? Do you think the ceiling's higher? Do you see anything you're still kind of concerned about or what did you think about, you know, especially the first half, but the full, the full four quarters today? Yeah, I definitely think it's more sustainable. I'm, I'm, two feet into the Dob mob where I was maybe just testing Welcome. the waters last week. Um, the things that made me excited are it there, there doesn't seem to be much training wheels on the offense with him compared to, to Kirk. Um, he's they, they can move the ball down the field. He has the mobility. Seems like he's maybe not quite in tune with his receivers yet, which makes sense given it's a week and three days to this point. Um, a lot of those throws were not bad throws, but a little behind a receiver crossing the field or something along those lines. But, um, but he has enough of an arm to make throws that, that are tough and he's very willing to give his receivers a chance. And the mobility is the, the third straw that breaks the camel's back that, that gets me excited for Josh Dobbs. And obviously there, the Vikings seem to be playing very good complimentary football in these last two games. Um, but he's, he's giving you enough to win. I mean, 24 points in the first quarter, you take a look at those, the, the first drive, the field goal is obviously, you know, coming off of a kickoff. It's not just the defense gave you the ball, but then the touchdown drives are 75 yards, 82 yards and 76 yards. Like he was pushing the offense down the field um, and not just taking advantage of short fields or something along those lines. Yeah, let's. I want to talk about each of the touchdowns because I feel like we saw some kind of new stuff with them and also kind of players that we should highlight. So the first touchdown was actually the Ty Chandler touchdown, which of course I was hyped about, but they are at the, I don't have it up here, but they're inside the five, you know, the bane of the Vikings existence so far this season. And they dial something up. KOC gets a little creative, Dobbs motions out, Wildcat to Ty Chandler, and it's, you know, blocked up perfectly. They've got numbers and he walks into the end zone to the left-hand side. So what do you think about that that play call, that design, you know, maybe something they installed this week with Dobbs and then just kind of the Ty Chandler appearance today and and moving forward with him? Number one, Ty Chandler looked really good. Um, the same thing we've been saying with Madison. Whoever comes in after him looks really fast. And, you know, I hope he can get healthy. I think he left with a concussion. Madison that is um but Chandler looked good this play specifically was as much as Kevin O'Connell could do to kind of win me back in these goal goal line scenarios because I, I don't know if I said it last week but at some point on this podcast I asked for some sort of not necessarily trickeration but something creative you know the handoff to Rieger mm -hmm. or a wildcat to Ty Chandler um and then this was putting your best players in spots that they can be their best to score a touchdown. You have Josh Oliver, you're blocking tight end on the side to kind of seal the corner. And then you have Darisa kind of popping out. And when I saw Darisa get the corner yeah, and all he had was the, the, the cornerback, I thought, Oh boy, that guy is in for a rough <laughs> next few seconds. So um, love to see that. Um, it looks like it was goal to go from the two. So yeah. I, I think they could use that, like you said, anywhere inside the five. Um, and then to some extent, you can just play that off with Dobbs' ability to maybe keep in that scenario or, you know, a zone read if you're not going full wildcat along those lines. Like 
like you said, is the upside of your sit in the pocket quarterback outweighed by just some of these things that give you so much more flexibility that the defense has to account for? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's an interesting question. It's overall experiment. I think we don't need to get into long-term stuff, but whether Dobbs is there or not, I just think that the upside of someone that can extend plays like this, make plays with his feet, whether it's, you know, whether it's the full on Lamar Jackson elite, even Dobbs, I think is on the higher end of this when it comes to just pure athleticism. Um, So maybe it's not that, but it just is the room for error is so much greater when you have a guy like this. And, you know, the play that was going around Twitter all of last week was like, the Dobbs touchdown run and they're like, Oh, he had Hawkinson open, you know, for a touchdown. It's like, you know, sure. Kirk hits that read, you know, nine times out of 10, but maybe he misses a throw one of the times, maybe something else. If he doesn't, you know, there's no plan B with a, a Kirk esque quarterback. Whereas, you know, Dobbs and we don't want to rely pure purely on the feet in the athleticism either, but just having that as a fallback is better than, than anything you could kind of expect out of a, you know, pure pocket passing type quarterback. So yeah, that leads us to the, to the Dobbs touchdown, which I'll be interested to see, I guess the breakdowns of it this week, if there was someone he missed open, but this was a pretty long developing play. He's hanging in the pocket. He's in there. He spins around and he breaks left. And did you, when he broke a pocket left, did you think he could score on that that play with the defenders in front of him? With, with where the defenders were. So when he was in the pocket, he kind of takes a few steps forward and I'm like, all right, he's got to just break the pocket and go mm-hmm. straight forward. And then he plants his foot in the ground and does his spin. And I'm like, where are we headed here? <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I was like, just, just get what you can. Um, and then he breaks the pocket and comes out to the left and it's number one, I think Taylor or whoever it is for the saints. And I'm like, he has no chance. Like, there was no angle for him on that play and he makes one little move and he has the corner to the pylon untouched essentially at that point. Um, and I was sitting there watching and I was told my wife, I go, he has to be way faster than anybody is giving him credit for because he just walked by that cornerback. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very exciting. <laughs> I mean, that's all you can really say. It's an amazing play. He had him dead to rights. It looked like, and yeah, to beat him to the corner like that to finish with a touchdown. The, I mean, you mentioned kind of the the Hawkinson play. A few others today, I feel like he was probably challenged by Kevin O'Connell. Like stick in there, hang in the pocket as long as you can. You know, try to make sure we're keeping your eyes downfield. You know, not relying too much on your legs and stuff. But still, ended up running for like forty plus yards, I think it was, and making that um, highlight play for the touchdown, which I think was one of the plays of the game. So. What do you think about that was obviously not a design run, but I think they only had one design run for him today. I personally like to see a little bit more of that, especially, you know, you mentioned with like the Chandler touchdown, like some stuff in the red zone and, you know, maybe even in the, in the second half, when we're trying to run the clock a little bit, um, you looking for more of that. Do you want to just see it as a last resort or what would your kind of mode be on that in the, in the offense? I think I'd like to see more of it. Um, I think it goes back to, you know, putting your players in situations where they can use the best skills that they have. I think one of one example of that is when we're keeping CJ Ham in in the backfield to block on third down. Like that's what he does. He picked up a blitz beautifully today. Um, I think I understand why there was maybe only one one use of it today, in the sense that and it was a really nice play. Yeah. Yeah, and it worked, um, but in the sense that, one, Josh Dobbs has only been here a week and three days, so like you're just installing plays that you've had in the playbook to this point, and I can almost guarantee you there were no designed quarterback runs with Kirk at the helm. So that you're having to teach the play to not only the quarterback who's new, but then everybody else is going to have to run that a little differently if it's a zone read or something along those lines. So I understand it. I think it gives the Vikings rushing attack a little, little more teeth. Um, and I think they could use that in, in any regard. So I would like to see more of it, or at least the thread of it a little bit more. Yeah. So the Vikings score to go up 17 to three and the Josh Dobbs uh, run with three and a half minutes left. And, 
I remember the the following drive picked up and they're like, announcers are like, hey, Saints have a chance here. You know, they go down and score. They get the ball after half. Like we're right back in the game. Three and out, punt. The Vikings get the ball back again with a minute and a half or a minute 47 on the clock uh, from their own 24. What were you thinking at the beginning of this drive? Kind of best case, worst case scenario. <laughs> um, I think I was just taking in the game and enjoying enjoying the lead at that point. Um, I thought best case was a field goal. Worst case is, you know, you give them the ball back with 30 seconds or something along those lines. Um, but this is the drive, I think, um, especially the touchdown at the end, but really showed me that like Kevin O'Connell is going to let Josh Dobbs push the ball down the field. The the play that they scored on is a 28 yarder to Hawkinson and he, he throws it air yards to, I think the two, you know, there's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of yak for Hawkinson there. Um, <laughs> and I, if this was the drive I'm remembering, like they leaned on Hawkinson almost five catches. the entire time. Five catches um, on the drive. Five catches on the drive, including the touchdown. But um, and the play before the touchdown was the weird. I mean, this is where we have to shout out Hawkinson because I mean, it serves more than a shout out after you know last week we're like you know good for him getting it out. This week coming in questionable, they're like he's going to be on a on a snap count or a snap limit. Um, it was not limited in the first half. He had um, eleven catches on the game. I think t- nine or ten of them were in the first half, and five were on this drive. And yeah, good for him. Anyone that's been like, he doesn't deserve the contract or hating on him for whatever reason, like this is why you pay him that money. I mean, he was the best weapon the Vikings had today and he was extremely reliable in kind of all aspects and yeah, just kind of a game changer, especially in the first half. So five plays on this drive, go to Hawkinson. The one before the touchdown is that weird, like catches it, gets kind of flipped up and lands out of bounds. And it's like, that's got to hurt for a guy that has probably cracked ribs or something. Um, And they review it for some reason. And they were trying to figure out if he was out of bounds or not. I don't, we'll get into the refs maybe later, but I was very confused by why that was a review, but probably for the best Hawkinson recovers is back on the field. And then, yeah, I mean, it was, I guess it was a first and 15, um, but there were only 16 seconds left and one timeout. So I was like, get a few yards here, kick a field goal. That's not what Josh Dobbs was thinking. He's like, I'm go- throwing this right up the seam to Hawkinson touchdown. That were, that's where I was like, this is not something we have seen before very often uh, to to end that drive with six or a seven and going to halftime with that big of a lead just to keep the foot on the gas. Um, credit to both Dobbs and KOC for, for doing that. And then for Hawkinson for just being such a reliable target and making that decision pretty easy to hit him on that, on that seam ball. Yeah, and what I think really stood out after this play is, so like you said, they score with 16 seconds left, but that made Josh Dobbs, I think, three for three in end-of-half, end-of-game drives of putting points on the board, and that's something we've complained about on this podcast with the Vikings team as a whole is is somewhat of their inability to move the ball quickly down the field, be able to get out of bounds, all those different things. So I I was, like I said, Going into this drive up 17 to three, I felt great about where we were at. And then when to go into half up 24 to three, I thought, man, when was the last time we really had a halftime lead like this? Yeah. Um, really got me starting to believe in the Josh Dobbs strain at that point. Yeah, I was, and I still am. I mean, for the most part, I don't think I saw anything major in the second half, which we'll get to, to, bring me down but i mean this was yeah kind of pure euphoria for the vikings offense and i mean yeah you give up i don't know if you want to talk about anything specific on the defense in the first half we'll talk about them more here for a second half but they only give up three points um a couple three and outs some really nice plays it it definitely felt like you know this Derek Carr offense is not going to be something that can come back from a three score score deficit in the second half so anything that stood out to you on the offense or on the defense in the first half other than just really solid play all around. Yeah. What, what stood out is um, I guess the ability to get pressure. It seemed like, seemed like they were really getting Derek Carr off his spot. Um, I'll, I'll give it up. And I don't know if it was really the first half or the second half, but Metellus um, mm-hmm. had some really good rushes today to put a, put a hit on the quarterback. Um, Ivan plate, Ivan Pace's ability to play a screen. Like mm, he had a really, that guy you know, is, one really great play is just fluid and slippery. It, he's hard to block. He, I think he goes in and like jukes a, an offensive lineman is just, 
not what you expect to see from your linebacker. So I just think the defense, I don't think anything really stood out. Um, we only had the one turnover kind of at the end, right? But um, just kind of doing what they've been doing all year, making quarterbacks uncomfortable, not giving up the big play. And, you know, three three points and a half, you're, you're going to take that 10 times out of 10. Right. So, yeah, the, I mean, they end up with two picks on the day and those last two drives. And but, but as we kind of transition to the second half, yeah, do, overall kind of just what you saw, because I feel like it left a bit of a, you know, bittersweet taste in some people's mouths, like the way that the second half unfolded. Big picture, especially on the offensive side, they only scored three points in the second half. Do you have any concerns about kind of what you saw in the second half? Or was it just like, I mean, we came into this game and people were like, this Saints defense is one of the better defenses in the NFL. Like Josh Jobs can't do this against them. And, you know, I don't think that first half pace was sustainable no matter what, but of course left some plays out there in the second half as well and made it closer than it needed to be. So do you have any big picture concerns? Otherwise we can get into kind of some of the, the actual details of the, some of the drives. I think the only concern is I I felt like the Vikings were, and this is more Kevin, O'Connell it seems like they came out a half a little more timid or run the clock out type um, plan for the second half which when you look at you know win probability and and where everything was the game was really never in question even in the second half but um, specifically just his willingness to maybe go for it in certain scenarios or throw the ball, let, let Dobbs throw the ball. I, I feel like he wasn't putting passes in wildly interceptable positions all day. So um, just, I guess, a little more aggressiveness to maybe get one more touchdown to really close the door. I don't know. Maybe I'm asking for too much, but. Um, no, I, I mean, I ultimately don't have any major concerns. I mean, I think a few of the play calls I'd quibble with and stuff and some of the execution, but they went down and they got a field goal the first drive they had the ball in the second half too. And, you know, that's when they get up three score or um, 24, which is, you know, three scores with two point conversions. So you feel good at that point. And yeah, I mean, they, they didn't run the ball super effectively and really, I mean, there were a couple plays specifically, I think it was that first three and out afterwards where yeah, Dobbs scrambles on third and five and dives, you know, for the for the marker at the sideline there. And if he didn't get it, it was by inches. And it was there wasn't a great angle on it, but it was just kind of an unlucky spot, I felt like. I don't know if they could have could have challenged it or not. But a couple things like that where it's like it's a game of inches. And if if a couple plays go the other way, you sustain some more drives and you yeah, are able to put that game out of reach. I mean, I think it was always pretty out of reach, but yeah. And then I didn't love, you know, kind of the last couple drives trying to waste the time when time wasn't really the biggest factor at that point. So things like that. But I do the the one that I think we all everyone was kind of calling in the moment was the Vikings get a, a nice drive. They're into New Orleans territory. You've got a you've got a fourth and three at the 36. So your decisions are and you are up by Saints have scored once here now. So it's you're up by. 16. So this is what late in the third quarter. Yeah. So you can either the very end of the third quarter into the beginning of the fourth quarter. Yep. So your, your choices are 54 yard, Greg Joseph field goal or fourth and three go for it or punt, I guess Um, not really choice. So I feel like we've seen this movie a few times this year and they've gone the same way every time. So we were, I mean, we were talking about, I feel like everyone was talking about it, like go for this. They don't, of course, Joseph misses, and that's just a huge momentum shift. And I mean, if he makes it, that game is basically over. And of course, he misses it, and it's they've got the ball at midfield, and they're going the other way. So, I don't know. What were you thinking then? That whole sequence. I get that the punt really isn't even on the board at that point, but I think that's. I was. I was. I was certain that Greg Joseph would miss that field <laughs> yeah. goal um, when whenever they let him kick it. So my thought was either you go for it or you go for it. And worst case scenario, it's incomplete, whatever. You're at the 36. Or you punt it, cough and corner, try and figure it out, make them go the length of the field. 
I don't know if Greg has missed the most field goals this year out of any kicker. I don't think it's been like wildly bad, but we have given eight yards to the opposing team. <laughs> yeah. It seems like every week in a scenario that that eight yards, you know, eats up enough time that, that it's, I don't know. I don't think it's the right call. I've seen that a lot. Um, I just think it's a fourth and only three. Like if it's fourth and 10, that's a different story, but anything under six, like, or under eight, even maybe I'm like, I, I like my chances better going for it with the offense here than, than with the field goal. Yeah. And I guess maybe, I don't know. I just don't feel like Greg Joseph really came in here as like, man, I'm the long ball kicker. Like he just, I don't know. I believe 54 was as long prior to the giants game last year where he set, set the record and all this different stuff. But it just seems like you're asking a lot of Greg Joseph because it, it seems like he has a 54-yard field goal every week. 36 yeah. is the Vikings' nemesis. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, who knows? We'll see if KFC can maybe learn from that one eventually the more times it happens. But, yeah, I would have liked to go for that. But otherwise, I mean, I get it. If you if you make that a three-score game at that point, it's, it's out of reach, but would have liked a, a better opportunity. They get another opportunity later in the getting kind of in the field goal range and then get a penalty and end up punting. And that's where I was saying, I was like, this is why I get, you're not going to punt from the 36, but you know, a little further back and Brian Wright has a nice one. They downed it at like the five or six. I'm like, this is why field position matters. Like the difference between, and the Saints didn't go anywhere on that drive. Like the difference between starting them with Jameis in the game inside the 10 and at the 45, it's just a, a world of difference. So, um, yeah, that was, I mean, there was, it was certainly a frustrating half overall. I never felt like super concerned that they were actually going to tie the game or the Vikings were going to lose the game, but you know, they, they get a couple touchdowns, a couple two point conversions and both of the touchdowns were like ridiculous Jameis throws and catches by the, the receivers. It was like, this is, this does not feel like it's going to happen over and over again, but I don't know what else, what else stood out to you about the second half? Um, obviously the Jameis coming into the game seemed to be a completely, completely different offense. Um, and I get, you know, you're coming into a game, you're down either two or three scores at that point, like uh, three scores, you're just throwing the ball up, which is exactly what Jameis is known for. Um, like you said, I don't think the defense or or Kevin O'Connell for that matter, were very concerned that, the saints really would be able to put these drives together. Um, and Jameis is going to throw you the ball a couple times. You just have to be ready for it. You know, yeah, we had two very near, pick. we had a near pick a near fumble as well. They both got overturned. Yeah. So like, like you said, you just need one of those plays really to go your way in this. It It's not even close um, or the Greg field goal goes in and all that different stuff. So I think, I don't, I don't want to put a whole lot of stock into the second half because it feels like the Vikings were just like, let's get out of here, let's stay healthy and move on to next week by that point. Yeah, I know KOC did say he was like, it's you know on me kind of with the offense. So I do think, I think he does change the way he calls his plays, which I mean, I don't know if there's a great answer to it because I feel like you have to change it to some extent. But if you do it too much, you end up with a 28-3, you know, Kyle Shanahan situation or you know, all these other comebacks we've seen, but at the same time, like you should play based on the, you know, based on the scoreboard to some extent. So could they have run? I mean, I think they ran the ball pretty well overall today, but you know, again, it's a few third and fourth and short, whatever um, situations that, that don't go your way. So I think he will continue to look at it. And I think that's somewhere he thinks he can improve as a coach, which, which is great. And I think he, he can, but I, I've ne- I've seen both ways go wrong. I guess what I'd say, whether it's staying aggressive or kind of getting too concerned, conservative. So, just kind of having the feel for your team. And again, I don't think that they were ever going to sustain that. They weren't going to put up fifty points, right? Um, the offense that they had in the first half. So, yeah, would like to see you know take a few more shots, um, give Dobbs a few more opportunities instead of just running and punting. But um, overall feel good because I felt good about the defense all game. I mean, there's two great catches that are made um, by Saints receivers over Byron Murphy, both times the Olave one, especially was pretty incredible. I'm not sure how he couldn't like force him out, but again, 
maybe our, I mean, we get a couple picks every week, so I can't keep saying this, but maybe our corners don't have the best ball skills at all times, but um, yeah. Daniel Hunter, you mentioned like he's getting in there. Uh, he, I haven't checked today, but I think he's still leading the league in sacks. He's up to 11. DJ Wanham has been awesome. They actually, I was surprised. I sent it to you right before the pod. It was actually the lowest um, blitz percentage that the Vikings have had this year um, in the game today. What was it? 21.3%. And it felt like more, honestly, because they were generating pressure. Um, I don't know how all those are qualified, but um, yeah, they were. I liked what Flores was working a lot today, even though they give up a couple big plays ultimately, but felt like he, yeah he was making the most of, of what he had with some guys going in and out with injuries too. Right. I think what it's what, I mean, obviously this is night and day difference from the Adonatel defense, but what, what's so hard for me to understand is I don't think they really consider it a blitz unless you're sending more than four guys. And so it could be four secondary players and everyone else. Is well, right. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying is he, he mixes it up. Like Josh Metellus rushed, yep. I would say more than 21% of the plays, right. but if he's that fourth guy, then, you know, technically we didn't blitz. We just brought different guys, um, which is, you know, a lot of people have been calling him a madman with the amount of defensive backs he's had on the field at, at certain times, but you can't, you cannot argue with the results to an extent. Um, yeah. Well, especially was, in, in the past game. Yeah. There was one deep pass today where it was like, it was literally all the three safeties that we always have on the field were all the, the ones that were around the, like the deep pass. I just thought that was funny. Like to see them all come together, the three safety system, but it's been good. I mean, yeah, they, I mean, the saints have some weapons for sure and they were able to hold them down. And then yeah, coming up with two interceptions to close out the game, you know, Jameis was gonna, was gonna throw you some, but to come down with those, I just want to mention like, Makai Blackman because he's not someone that's been talked about much all season, but for everyone that's always like, anytime someone mentions Quasi's name, they're like, Oh, Andrew Booth and Lewis scene. Like we're not giving him credit for Makai Blackman. who has been a very solid corner all season. And, you know, I think probably has some really good upside overall too, and comes down with a nice interception to basically seal the game. And then, you know, Byron Murphy comes down with the one um, a little bit later. Well, they're man, they actually had three drives because they had the hail Mary too. They kept getting the ball back like around midfield, didn't they? <laughs> so, um, yeah, but Murphy comes down with another one, and then there was the Hail Mary. So, um, yeah, I mean, the other name that just kind of st- has stood out all season but continued to today, someone that I did not want back on the team after last year, honestly, is Jordan Hicks. And he has been awesome all year. Credit to him. Then in training camp, they're like, he's a captain. I was like, what? But <laughs> – Again, maybe it was Ed Donatel's problem because he looks better. He looks, he doesn't look as slow as he did last year. Like, you know, um, Flores has given him the opportunities he needs and he's, he's been awesome um, as kind of the ringleader of the defense in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say he looks faster. I don't, I'm not going to say he looks fast out there, but he looks a lot faster than he did in 2022. He went out of the game um, tonight and actually today and I actually thought, oh no, like <laughs> I would have never thought that last year. A complete 180 from last year's um, thoughts, but uh you also didn't mention, you know, a Caleb Evans. He makes yep. a, a couple really good plays. Um, it's not going to ball out. Yep. You know, run defense, especially. Um, nobody gives Quasey credit for that pick either. Uh, the Makai Blackman, I think he played a great game. Fun to see. I think he's learning more and more, and we're seeing more and more playing time as a result of that. On the Hail Mary, don't never move your hands in an upward motion everything to the ground and yeah, I, he, I did not like that. He, he got a talking to from cam bynum immediately after that play oh good um which he's a rookie i get it cam bynum has his own ball skills issues <laughs> that he needs to worry about um but yeah good like for you cam said, bynum to know that even if he didn't catch the ball this is my opportunity to give this ball to my wife and they can't stop me so good for him on that absolutely absolutely first game in his in attendance i believe at least this year for sure for his wife um Get rid of the ball. I like it. The Makai Blackman, he gets the pick, um, goes for the full spike. I'm like, hey, somebody get him that ball. That's his first career interception. Mm-hmm. He's going to want that back. But um seems like the defense is maintaining a certain level of quality yeah. while being able to mix in these guys that that you don't see. Um, I think Troy Dye you know, played a decent mm-hmm. amount today, and it wasn't like a major liability that we were worried about. 
Yeah, I mean, Booth has been getting sneaky snaps like every week and you don't even notice because it's not like last year when they immediately target him when he's out there. So um, he's coming along too. Yeah, I think you have to... I can't think of too many moves other than the, I mean, if we want to put the scene pick on trial, but otherwise it's like everything's coming up pretty good for Quasi, um when you're looking at these. I mean, Hawkinson today, obviously the top. I mean, to get Josh, I, I follow a couple of people on Twitter that are like New York Jets fans and they're like, we could have had Josh Dobbs this entire time. We've been sitting here with Zach Wilson like all season long. Aaron Rodgers have been out since four minutes into the season and we didn't do anything. We could have gotten Josh Dobbs for, a bag of potato chips and we, you know, didn't. So um, it's exciting. I mean, the Vikings may have just traded, swapped a sixth for a seventh and gotten a better quarterback than the first round pick that's been sitting behind Aaron Rodgers for five years in green Bay. And it's, it's very exciting. Um, I, one week at a time, I guess, but it's, I was, part of me was expecting like, you know, maybe we see some, some bumps in the road this week, a little bit more, and I mean, no turnover. I mean, I guess you could say the one play was kind of turnover worthy, the early one to Addison. But I mean, that's those plays hey, happen every game. Pause the play. Yeah, yeah it came down. I mean, we wanted them to take those chances. So um, I think, yeah, with chaos, I trust KOC with what he's going to do with him and, you know, set him up in the best position. And they're only going to get better on as far as weapons. I mean, KJ was out too today. And of course, Justin and, you're down to your third running back and fourth running back now. And yeah, it's, it's all very impressive and exciting. And I'm officially ready to kind of get carried away about what could happen over the coming months. Yeah. um, In that regard, I was a very big chargers fan today. Did my best, but they always find a way to lose. But like you said, obviously we've talked about in at, uh, at length about how the, majority of our talent is on the offensive side of the ball um at least developed talent in that regard um but you do have a lot of those injuries that you're dealing with i mean justin jefferson is obviously the biggest one he's been gone for five games and they've found a way to put five wins together some of them weren't very pretty um but the, you know, I saw someone talking about the Steelers today. They're six and three, and there's no pictures in the records. Like wins yeah. are wins in this league. Um, and now I feel like I'm getting back into the 22, 2022 <laughs> podcast vibe with all those one score. We wins. do have a positive point differential at this point of the season. So hey, look at us, look at us. So um, it's very hard not to get excited. I, say what you want about Quasi and the moves that he's made. The last two weeks alone. For Josh Dobbs, compared to if we would have, and I get that it wouldn't have directly been this, but if you would have trotted Sean Mannion out there, this is completely different. I don't even know if we're potting this week because nobody mm-hmm. would really care at that point. Josh Dobbs has not only brought relevance to the Vikings going forward, but you know, there's a lot of people talking about him the last two weeks. Um, I know there's a lot of faults in ESPN's, I think, QBR system, but he's been the number one QBR rated quarterback the last two weeks. Week before that was Kirk Cousins. So again, shout out to Kevin O'Connell and his QB friendly system. But the schedule, I, I wouldn't say is taking a lot of turns in the in the immediate forecast yeah. for the worse for Josh Dobbs. I mean, on paper, this was the harder one of the next couple. And yeah, I mean, you're going to go on the road in prime time outdoors. Who knows what the weather's like next week. So that's going to be going to be interesting. I mean, I do think I'd be surprised if we don't see JJ next week. And so that would be exciting. And I mean, potentially Madison's out, Ty Chandler. And we had even saw some Kenny Wangwu today. So, I mean, whoever you put back there and running back, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. Uh, you know, I like, I like Chandler the most. So Hopefully you can keep that going, but yeah, you're going to, if you can win the next two and you're right in there, I mean, as of right now, if they beat the lions twice, they're going to win the division. So they're still right in it. I know they're a couple of games back, but it's, this felt like the kind of trap game where like everyone's talking about you this week, the last couple of weeks, how do you respond at home? And they responded with the unbelievable first half and it was enough to, to win the game. So 
Um, yeah, I don't know where we go from here other than keep riding the, the Dobbs train and see what we can, what we can build from here because it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty unbelievable that how fast he's coming. Every part of the story, like, is actually more unbelievable than we are kind of giving it credit for. Right. We haven't even mentioned the Creed background music to the TikTok, uh, those type of things that that really get the fans going. But uh, the one thing I want to point out, which is, I guess, eating a little crow in the sense, um, I thought today was a good uh, first half specifically, a good indication on Kevin O'Connell of, yes, we want to run the ball. We'd love to be successful running the ball, but we are not going to run the ball at the detriment to our offense. Um, like we're still going to try and sprinkle it in there and, and, and be successful when we can, but if we're not able to run the ball, we're not going to worry about that if we're putting up points. And I think we talked about that, the you know, the first three weeks, um, especially the chargers game, it was like, great, we can run the ball, but what does it do for us? It doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we, we had Justin Jefferson at that time and we didn't have a quarterback to run at that time. <laughs> so it's like, I think Kevin O'Connell is in, in this, you know, five game winning streak has come into his own a little bit. Like, yep. I would love to run the ball. They're finding a balance, but we're going to do what's best for our offense. And so I'm glad to see growth in that regard because I was very low on Kevin O'Connell in certain portions of this year, specifically the play calling. And I think that's gotten a little better. I think having to do it without Kirk has been maybe harder on him but also great growing period for kevin Mm -hmm. o'connell um and and you know to get the team back on track after jj goes down and and rattle off five wins here um says a lot about your coach so props to kevin o'connell yeah that's i mean that's i think the biggest thing on this five game stretch is from we talk about the quarterback the most and we talk about the offense but from one through 53 through the practice squad, honestly, everyone that's called upon has been ready. Um, they they are having to bring people in week after week. You've got Brandon Powell making huge plays this week. You've got, you know, Naylor made a nice play. You have Johnny Munt out there. You've got, you know, backup linemen have had to step in. Dalton Reisner comes in and same thing with, with Dobbs. Like in two weeks, he's a starter and he's looking great. So um, that's exciting on defense. You know, it's, it's some rotations and having everybody ready and, Again, just not having that weak spot that can be targeted is is a huge development compared to last year. So credit to KOC and Quasi for the first of all, just the talent evaluation and the, you know, the people that they've put on the roster, but the the culture and the coaching to have everyone ready to perform. And yeah, the cliche be at your best when your best is required. They've, you know, the first three weeks of the season were like, where is it? But we're we're seeing it now. Maybe they were just dropping the ball literally over and over again, those first three weeks. Like it's, and they're actually, they're actually really good. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to, th- I, I had to remind myself to him, like this team was 0 3. And here we are now. <laughs> Who thought we'd be here? Not, not me. Or what's the saying? Look at us. Look at us. Who thought thought we'd be yeah. <laughs> not, not us. Me. No, absolutely not. Yeah. 0 and 3. So your last, what is it? Seven games yeah. are you're, you're six and one with games against the Chiefs and the Niners. You know, there's a lot that can be said there. And obviously you're still in that Chiefs game given everything. So like I said, you you still need to continue to win. Obviously the Lions, if, if you want to challenge for the division, which as season ticket holders who would love to go to another home playoff yeah. game, we do want to challenge for the division. But um just you got to continue i would say for sure the next two ideally the next three got to come home with w's oh yeah 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 and i don't think i mean i think like i said i saw enough today and hopefully you know koc and what they're building with with dobbs to he's got a pretty long leash in my view um based on what we've seen so far and what i love to see hall at some point in the future preferably in the preseason next season. Yes. Um, but I'm not, I'm not ready to go there until there's a couple of, it have to kind of really fall off the rails and not get back on the rails for a couple of games, I think, um, before we entertain that idea. But 
yeah, I mean, KOC can can set people up pretty well, I think. And I'm getting very excited just imagining if if you get this version of Jordan Addison that's developed in this time, you put Justin Jefferson across from him. How do you feel about just the Dobbs, the question of do you feel like he can kind of maximize the wide receivers, the talent, throwing the ball in addition to running, maybe not to the Kirk extent, but do you feel like he's going to be able to take advantage of the opportunities Justin Jefferson will give him and then Addison on the other side? Yeah, I, I think... Is that going to have the chemistry, you know, that Kirk has developed with yeah. JJ over the years, you know? Right, right. Um, I don't. I think he can take advantage of it. Um, there, there was the one tweet you sent me this week. Um, it seems like JJ is getting open so consistently that, you know... He's obviously considered open when he catches the ball. I would say Josh Dobbs, his arm isn't going to hold them back. It may not, you know, to the fullest extent as Kirk was, but they they still can, like, JJ's still going to be able to put up yards because Josh Dobbs has the arm to hit him in, in motion and, you know, get keep the offense moving, not one-dimensionally. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, that in itself is one of the major reasons to make the trade. If you were concerned about Jaron Hall potentially being able to do that and keeping Justin Jefferson happy, which I think he would understand to an extent we weren't planning for right. Kirk to go down, but um, he, <laughs> he tweeted today. He's super excited to get back on the field with mm-hmm. this team. So I think that's great. It's great to see him, you know, on the sidelines, still super involved in everything um and <laughs> very I wouldn't play with anyone except for kirk so correct yeah very it's very hard not to imagine how fun this offense could be with a mobile quarterback and teams having to attribute so much of the defense to justin and addison coming into his own and then hawkinson stepping up like and a fast running back and a fast running back um and but Hawkinson's line. stepping up with KJ and JJ out yeah. that is that was really big today so I gotta give it. him a little more credit there um especially like you said in the first half he had over 100 yards and either nine or ten catches in that first half but this offense could get really fun and then let Kevin O'Connell kind of go to work in a in a in a way to just you know I, they're not going to be the Miami Dolphins of all the pre-snap movement or whatever but they could be very, very fun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you need to be Dan Marino to hit a Justin Jefferson open, like on a, on whatever, whatever route it is. So yeah, I think we've seen Dobbs hit throws on, on kind of every level, you know, maybe not the deep ball. He, he had a nice one, a nice, you know, looking throw at least today on the free play that was ultimately intercepted, but it was just a, just kind of see how far you can throw it. And he can, he, you know, he's got, He's got the tools. So I think I think the thing for him is more of the timing, some of the processing stuff, and yeah, making the making the reads going through the progressions and then maybe coming back to certain ones like that. You know, the the chemistry with Kirk and, and JJ was was unmatched. So it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, but I, I don't think it's gonna be a uh Zach Wilson, Garrett Wilson situation in <laughs> New York, right? Like they're gonna they have a great receiver and they're gonna be able to to make you feel that um, on the field. So, so I'm, yeah, I'm excited to see it, whether it's, I, hopefully it's next week, but um, whatever it is. Um, yeah. I, one plug I would say is if people are kind of wondering, just want to see more Josh Dobbs or breakdown and stuff, the um, I think it's called the QB school. This guy that does just QB breakdowns on, on YouTube did a, a breakdown of his game in Atlanta um, last week. It's like 45 minutes long. It's really good. And even in that, I mean, I think he was better today than he was in that game at least from the pocket. And even in that game, he had some, he can, th- he can deal a little bit. Like he can have some really accurate throws. He's got some good zip on the ball and he'll let it rip. So um, I'm not, I'm not worried about that part. It's not the classic like mobile quarterback that can't throw the ball. You know, he's not Tim Tebow or anything like that. It's no offense Whoa. to you. <laughs> Number 15 though, you know, maybe he's got the magic. Hey, Hey, I'll give him that. Um, Tim Tebow definitely left a little bit to be desired with the ball in the air. Absolutely. But yeah, like you said, you mentioned putting a little zip on the ball. There were a couple times today where he really stepped into a throw um, 
even the the Hawkinson one, uh, the Hawkinson touchdown, like when, when I think throw back the run, to how like JJ was getting all of his, kept. yeah. When I think back to the first couple of games this year and of how JJ was kind of getting all his yards, I don't think he would. He's not like the Shahid guy, just mm. running sixty yards, throw it as far as you can, and I'm the only one that can catch up to it. Like that intermediate level, fifteen to yep. thirty yards, I feel like is where he really was making making a huge impact. And we have seen not a ton. We only have a game and a half to really look at this, but he's made a lot of really good throws at that level. So that's what makes me excited. You got anything else? You're just ready to, I mean, we haven't lost a game in over a month now. It's just been a great time in, in Minnesota, you know, quarterback, regardless of the quarterback, it's uh, it's quite a streak. I mean, five, five games in no matter the schedule is, is something to be, be excited about. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say. I, I I'd have to look back at the schedule last year, but was there a, a streak of five in a row last year? I, must I don't have know. Been. You would think, but um, think. right around this time last year is when everything was just feeling the greatest, though. Too, you know, right. So, so like the Bills game must have been this week or next week, like right in this window here. Maybe something like that. So we got a prime time letdown coming. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see, but yeah, I, I really got nothing else. Um, just continue to ride the ride, enjoy the Josh Dobbs experience. And he's only been in the offense a week and a half. Let's give him, you know, a little more time to talk about or to really understand and get that a little bit of chemistry with the receivers. You know, you have quarterbacks and receivers that work out all off season, um, over the summer to try and develop the timing on different crossing or deep stuff. So give him time in that regard. And maybe those ball placements get a little better. Yeah. Maybe we should make this our new thing is predict the Jersey combination for the following week we have, because Denver is always a good looking spot, right? Um, Denver is actually wearing their alternate Navy jerseys next week, which I don't like as much as the orange, but Broncos and Navy. What do you want? Vikings. You got to go all white prime time. I think you got to go all white, white pants, yeah. all white, purple socks. Yeah, they did the white socks today. I did not like that. Um, I think they've gone all white with the white socks too. Yeah, I'd have to see. I'd have to look. I don't have a strong feeling of that. I think this is the time for the white pants. I think. I think I did the road or the home breakdown a couple weeks ago. Like what my ideal breakdown would be for the road. Let's say you get eight games with the white jerseys. I would go. Probably six and two purple pants for six. Pick your good spot for the white for the all white for two. Preferably nighttime, prime time, outdoors. I think is is what you want. So this would be an ideal all white game for me. Especially if there's little snow in Denver, then all white. Take every advantage you can. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Hopefully, so yeah. Hopefully, if I can keep it rolling, yeah. The uh, the eyes of the nation will be on us and the. The Dob Mob and the what do they call them, Pastronaut. And yeah, the Vikings are kind of the the talk of the town right now, which is is exciting and for good reason, because this is a kind of a special thing we're watching. So we'll get ready for next week, but the Vikings are very much in the mix and looking to to make a special run here over the next couple of months. So we'll talk to you next week in school. In situations like this, there's only two money guys on this team. Find them. 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 Find them.